Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. This is a special uh, recording of the podcast in light of some of the recent events surrounding the tragic death of George Floyd and everything that has happened in the aftermath. And it's appropriate for us as leaders, isn't it, in a moment like this to ask, how do we respond? And how do we help young people to respond? So I'm absolutely delighted to have my friend, uh, Jonathan Rowland, or as I like to call him, JR, joining me today on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. JR, welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, JR, so good to have you on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So you are a youth pastor at, at Tramway Christian Fellowship, and you're also part of our leadership team as well, uh, the Limitless Directional Team. Uh, how long have you been youth pastor now uh, down, at, down at Tramway, JR? Yeah, so I've been a youth pastor there um, around six years now, so it's been a little while, um, but I really enjoy it, I, I really do. It's something that uh, God has definitely called me into, um, and I love the youth that, that are there in Edmonton. In Edmonton, uh, London? Yeah, so it's Edmonton is a, a borough, which is in, in well, borough of Enfield, so yeah. Edmonton is uh, within uh, the, yeah, the, the north of London. Yeah. And you're a Tottenham fan, but uh, I love you so much that I'll even forgive you for that, Jay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, and and you're, you're a family man, married, you've got kids. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, I am. Um, I am basically been married uh, 16 years to Jesse Rowland. And um, I have three boys um, who I am thoroughly enjoying homeschooling at the moment. It's one of the best things ever. Not... <laughs> so it's been really interesting but you know what i'm that, that is one of the reasons why um you know i'm glad to be home at the moment and working from home as well as being a youth pastor is the yeah. fact that i can spend time yeah. um with my boys um which is really good how old are you boys now yeah so i have a <laughs> Right, so I start with my youngest. He's eight. Um, I have a twelve-year-old, and I have a fifteen-year-old as well. So, so that yeah, means I guess my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it what it means, though, Jr., is that you're a youth worker at work and you're a youth worker at home as well. So, and that I have grey hair. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jr., I'd I, I'd love to just get a little bit into your personal story before we answer those questions that we that we put up at the front. Um, you know, in terms of how, as youth leaders we respond, how as, as young people respond, and we will get into that. Um, but this is not something that you're looking at from afar and wanting to engage with. This is something that you have experienced um, personally and sadly regularly. Uh, you experienced it as a young person. You experienced it during your time in the Met. Uh, we didn't say that up front. You were part of the police force there in, in London. Um, and, and so this is something that's that's really close to home for you. It's been a personal experience. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about your experience of of racism as a young person. What happened, and what really how how that made you feel, and what that did with you, and how you responded to that. Yeah, so um, I can. There's really two really things that uh, started me on this process of um, knowing what racism racism actually was so I was born and raised in Hackney um in Stoke Winton and um so it was predominantly a, a black um area and um that's where we were born and raised really so I knew no different but my parents um wanted us to 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 
to move out to a, a better house, a better location, better schooling system, etc. So uh, they moved uh, to a borough, well, to Enfield. <laughs> and um, that was like, we were the only uh, out of 30 odd houses um, in our close. We were the only black family in that, in that whole close. Right. So um, what happened is that we actually moved into a, a, a home um, that was, uh, a white family had uh, wasn't able, unfortunately, to pay their bills, and they and they were uh, had to then move out of the house, and we moved in without knowing any of that. Right. Um, so we were subjected to a lot of racism um, as a family right from the get go, and moving right to on the street where you straight live. on our street in our home, eggs thrown at our doors, um, yeah. a number of other stuff that was done through our letterbox, etc. Just for being that black family. Um, in number one house, which it was, it was number one on that street. And it was the first house that you've seen once you entered into that close. So um, from that experience, it's like that, that kind of um, was like the kind of first steps of what, of as, as a child understanding what, what it was to actually be different um, and actually to, to not be, you know, like everybody else is. And, you know, that, that carried out throughout school. I went to school, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, I'm, I, I had to go to a, a school which was really difficult. Um, a number of matters, the reason why, but I ended up going to that school and then um, I had to uh, to basically deal with a national front um, where I was chased a number of times through the alleyway home. Um, I, I couldn't get onto any buses because I was always being attacked and um, being called names. Um, given insults um, that I'm not even going to mention, but just a number of things were, were happened. So again, it got to a point where my, uh, my mum became, you know, really concerned about this and my, and my dad, and they um, actually tried to be, become school governors so that they can actually try to help me in that whole process whilst being at school, because it was affecting my learning and so forth. Oh, sure. um, so fortunately, um, you know, I ended up, leaving school with, uh, you know, 10 GCSE. So it, it, it didn't affect me that badly. But the process of that was I had to go to karate. I had to learn to defend myself, to protect myself. Um, you know, I had to, because, again, you know, the attacks that I used to get where people used to wait for me after school and so forth, just for being, um, you know, just for being black. And it was really difficult being kicked in the head with steel toe caps. So that was my schooling. So it was a nasty area that I was in at the time. There was there was a saying uh, for the black families um, in that area it was, don't go to Wolfram Cross because you you won't come back. So that was a kind of thing that we, we knew that you didn't go to Wolfram Cross. You didn't go to the cinemas in that area because it wasn't for black people. Um, so there was a line that you had to stay and and not cross over so as a, young, as a young person jr did you as a result of all of that did you find yourself living with a lot of fear even just being in your street going to, to school yeah fear fear was uh it's a, it's a major factor because again we had a good front garden and we were only allowed to play in our back garden so it was it was a fear that um, anything could take place, and again, that's the reason why my parents, uh, you know, spent lots of money for us to go to karate um, because they they felt, you know, because if they're not there, then they're, we're going to be have to be able to protect ourselves and and be able to look after ourselves. And and police at the time were doing nothing. We made number of. Uh, 
calls to uh, the police and they they didn't they didn't do anything to help or assist in that at all is that one of the reasons why you ended up in the police yourself because you thought you could make a positive difference 100% and that is that is a reason because my parents did not want me to join the police at all right. uh, that was not something that they thought um that you know it would be good for me to to go to to, to navigate into but i you know i had a great experience with uh, a police officer um it was uh two two police came to the house once we were burgled this is much later um and they actually really gave good good help and assistance and and i and i saw that actually the police can actually do good things and there are some good police officers there rather than the whole um you know, being stopped and searched outside Mile End Tube Station, um, being told that I'm, you know, I'm a named suspect for robbery when they didn't know my name and they didn't have a full description other than a, uh, you know, a black person, you know, um, wearing dark clothing. And that is exactly what I was wearing at the time. And and I got stopped and searched and they were, they were willing to, wow. to, to do a strip search of me. Um, it was only for the intervention of, because um, I was actually, you know, it was a, a convention at church and I had left uh, to go and play basketball. And that's why we were <laughs> during the lunch break. And that's why we were go on our way up to basketball, but we were just stopped and, you know, literally just it, the intervention of some church people stopped me from being arrested on that day. So, you know, there's a number of things that, that, you know, that, that happened to me throughout my course of, of my life that made me think, you know what, I want to be inside uh, the police and changing that and try to to show them that you know what um to actually represent for 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 black people and so that they can see something different and i was one of the very few officers uh three officers in harringay um on on a on a duty who uh, who would, would be policing a borough of harringay for instance and, and it was um very challenging but worthwhile definitely worthwhile so you're in the police force and do you experience um, that kind of uh, racist abuse coming at you as a police officer or are you um, experiencing it and, and, and you're able to make a positive impact and, and you're trying to stop some that you're seeing as a police officer or, or is it a little bit of both of that? Yeah, so for me, um, being in there, it, 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 I immediately identified that um, I would have to work extremely harder to get anything in terms of promotion, in terms of getting, uh, for instance, when I first started um, as a black officer, they gave you the worst job straight away. And I was mm -hmm. trying to understand why that was happening um, at, initially. But it was. It became very clear. It was because I mean, it's of not, it's, it's, like hearing you say that. It's just. It's almost unbelievable to me. But then that's that's why it's so important to have this kind of dialogue, isn't it, Jr? Because that's the whole point. Is that for me as a white man, I won't. It's it's highly unlikely that I'll ever experience something like that. And it's why this dialogue is so important. Just because I hear you say that, I think how can that happen? Like. You know, so how many years ago was this? So I've, I was in the police for 15 years. So, yeah, it was a long process. And throughout all those 15 years, um, you know, racism was there all the time. So yeah. when they say about, um, 
you know, being institutionally racist, you know, it was something that I faced on a daily basis in terms of I had aspirations to become, uh, you know, a sergeant and inspector and chief inspector and so forth. But it's, you know, it was who you knew and, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, it's all about, you know, who you are as a, as a, as, as a person, yeah. uh, not about, you know, it, it just, it wasn't about your ability. Sometimes you were looked over, um, your abilities to somebody else who, who knew. And unfortunately, cause in the police it's, you know, it's, it's a majority of people are, are white, you know, they would rather him hire somebody or put somebody into a promotion that that is white and that they they can relate to rather than somebody who they can't relate to and that was a that was a difficulty so for instance a job that i would i would get would be uh, a jailer um so i'd be looking after the prisoners rather than being put into a, a response car and going around <laughs> arresting people they would they would give you the job where you're feeding jailers and so you will feed i was there having to 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 feed uh you know or to to constantly watch other um prisoners in that cell for, for that time rather than being outside and able to to do my job which i learned just i learned law i i passed out just like everybody else um but you know the opportunities to to be given specific um, as it is, cushy posts weren't yeah, given yeah. to black people, not at all. And, and would it be fair to say, JR, that it's that kind of institutional racism that's really deeply embedded into the system that the Black Lives Matter movement is really trying to engage with? So yes, yes, it's on the personal level. Yes, it's on the verbal level. But there's something deeper than that there's something more embedded in the system than that that has to be undone in order for that i guess surface level racist abuse which is you know vile and horrible but if we're going to deal with that we have to deal with it at the root right we have to deal with it at the institutional level and that that's what this black lives matter movement is is all about right really trying to unpick it from the root so that we Absolutely. Can the, 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 yeah, the, the root is it, that. That for me, that is the the main uh, way of uh, bringing change and real change, rather than um, a flashbang change. It has to be a, 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 a an actual um, a mechanism to identify how people are really are. Because what's happening is is very hidden. It's very. Uh, it's very quiet and people say, oh, um, we're not racist, but then they, their actions say something completely different. And it doesn't have to be um, massive, um, massive actions. It could just be very, uh, very small kind of tiny actions, but a number of those actions bring into a big thing. So for instance, you know, one sergeant will speak to another and say, um, oh, um, you know how they are they're very lazy and just because he said something like that um it then passes to another sergeant and then i don't get a job because all of a sudden i'm being um told that i'm lazy when that is not the case you know um so essentially i have to you know 
being in within the police, I had to prove to others what I uh, actually uh, I wasn't, rather than actually just doing what I I am. Um, I was always proving that you know what I'm better. I I can close more crimes than people. I can uh, make more arrests. I can do you know. I had to always constantly be proving to people what um you know just so that they don't uh, label me essentially as um you know this black officer is this and so it's very much labelled. And Jay, would it be fair to say as well that that experience is not one that's just personal to you that would be uh, w- w- would you would it be fair to say jr that that is an experience that many black people in all different walks of life have to front up to every day this sense of i have to prove who i'm not before i can prove who i am would, would you say that that's the case Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. They, they, it's, it, it's, it's unfortunate. And again, so it, the, the thing is, even when I'm saying things like this, um, for me, my experience is what made me who I am today. Mm. Um, and even though there's a number of negative um, things that I've had, to, it's made me into a person who I would fight for change. I would yeah. fight for um for for rights for all people I'll, I'll fight for those things because i know personally on a personal level how it feels to be on the other side yeah. um and and for me that's that's what you know there there are ways of doing things that are right um but unfortunately right now the way the system is is people do not trust the system essentially and because they don't trust the system they will they were acting in 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 whatever way they 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 want to act, and unfortunately, I for me, I I want to stand and say, look, you know what? This I stand against racism and for all people, but I I know what racism actually feels like. Yes, and, and then and then I'll push the question on to others. Have you experienced it? Have you do you know what it feels like? And if you know what it feels like, then why would you want to? Why would you want to do that or push it onto other people? Yeah. So um, for me, that's that's where it is. I, I want. I feel like it's really important for people to 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 understand why people act in the way they act. So not just the the end result, not just uh, the 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 actual striking or the the marching. I I'd rather people understand what causes them to do that, not just the end result but actually finding out the reason behind that and actually do the research into it. So well, what do some of those reasons are, JR? Because I just find it so hard to get my head around, like why people would be, you know, racially motivated in that way, why people would be penalised, you know, because of the colour of their, their skin. What is it? What happens? What happens in a person for them? to be racist in that way what what's what's happened in their heart what's happened in their upbringing in their experience that's caused them to have that perspective on life Uh, and and you know from an understanding of that then how can we begin to unpick that and undo that i think a lot uh, uh, your a key word that you said is upbringing and i think that's a very key word um a lot of things is is there was a say, and this is for me, this is one of the sayings, it's not a saying, it's actually a story, and I actually preached about it uh, to uh, to the general church about that. Um, 
So there was a person who had a, um, a, a massive turkey and they were always cutting the, the big arms of the turkey and then putting it into the oven. And that was something that is always done. It's always been done. Um, so it's passed all the way through the whole generations of yeah, of, yeah. of their family, just cutting cutting the legs off the turkey and then pushing it in there. And then um, one day, one of the again, it, it, the person asked, like, "What? Why? Why are you cutting the legs off the turkey to put it into the oven?" And we're like, "Ah, oh, the reason why we're cutting off the legs is because back, you know, not your your not your great grandma, but your great great grandma had such a small oven." Yeah. I had to cut the, the, the legs yeah. of the turkey and to put it in it. That's the only way it would fit, you know? So I think it's a lot about their upbringing. They've, they're brought up in a way and they're just following something that they have, they, they just feel like it's a normal thing. Right. And it's only now that is actually saying, people are saying to them, that's not, no, it's not normal behavior. It's not normal to say these things. It's not normal to behave in a certain way. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is because, now we don't have um well sorry now we do have the media the 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 phone devices to be able to record and put out to masses back then you know back in if i had something that happened to me in um in the police or in 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 life i couldn't be able to to speak to somebody about it it was very difficult for me to share what what i'm going through because it's only I only shared to, for instance, if something happened to me and I, I was I was racially abused, I'm going to share it to a, a white officer. And that white, you know, if I, I don't like the way the white officer um, treats me, then I would have to speak to their supervisor and their supervisor's white. So how how are they going to understand what I'm going through? And that and but now society is changing. It's changing where uh, diversity is 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 now you know it's more prevalent and because it's more prevalent, it means that the story is actually being told and being heard. Yeah. So you feel like there are are positive steps in in the right direction and you are seeing things go, you know, even with tragic events that that have unfolded recently, you know, you are seeing signs of light. You are seeing things that are going in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I can speak to, to, to limitless, um, in that, you know, I know each every, and every individual on our, our direction team, and I know where 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 their heart is and where they want to be going, and 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 how they feel and how they feel about what's what's happening in 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 this in this world currently. You know, so it's about relational relationship, and it's about actually spending the time to to get to know that actual person. And because you know that person, like if you didn't ask me any of those questions, you wouldn't have known you know my past or know yeah, you know yeah. the things that I do you, you know flashbang things you know yeah. yes I was a police officer yes um you know but you wouldn't know oh I was just driving home as a police officer um, in my BMW uh with tinted windows and I was stopped mm. and that kept happening to me every time I leave I leave the police station by mm. colleagues they will stop me and I had to come out of my car and show my badge and they'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry, we didn't know it was you, John. Didn't know it was you. But, you know, and they saw a black person in the car and immediately, that's it. They got something, somebody to stop. So it's, it's the story is now being told. The story is now going out there. And it's, and, and it's down to us personally to be able to, to do something about it. And I think it's a personal thing. 
where we all have the opportunity to personally do something about it. Mm. I, I think that's so right, just what you're saying there about, you know, upbringing and, you know, just established paradigms that have been passed on through generations that need to be broken because racism is a learned behavior, isn't it? So, I, you know, as, as you've been talking, I've just, I was just thinking back to, um, to Limitless One in February and I was with you in the London Southeast location for, for Limitless One. And I had my family with me and you, you'll probably remember um, Tobiah yeah. was just all about Melvilleus. <laughs> yeah, all about Melvilleus. So Melvilleus is, is a black artist, he's a rapper. And you know, green room. Tobias, yeah. like, and Tobias is quite shy, but he's yeah. walking out. He's holding his hand, hugging him, everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Tobias doesn't see somebody with black skin. No, that's not what he sees. He just no. sees somebody you know who's an artist and he's looking yeah. up to, smiling, fun, who's who's engaged yeah. in him, and you know, yeah. But, so he he's got none of that because he's a child. Yeah, you know. And so it is a learned behaviour, isn't it, that, that we are. Uh, and, and so if it's a learned behaviour, well, I guess, I guess the, the, the best thing we are able to do is, is get in early so that doesn't become a learned behaviour. And it's the education piece. Education, it? 100%. There can also be an, un, an unlearning of that behavior and that's what you're saying isn't it about sharing the story creating the dialogue having the conversations using our voice using our platforms to tackle this stuff because it's it's getting getting at the root of some of those learned behaviors and trying to help folks unlearn them yeah and i think as as well as we have to also speak to the school systems and stuff like that like uh black culture is not uh, spoken about in schools it's not something that is on you know on the radar like you know uh, black history you, you, you we have like you know, this is black history month you know and it's like a kind of token thing but it's not something that is on the syllabus and, and it's taught about that's you know um and that's something for you know as as i was growing up and 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 going through what i was going through my my parents put me into uh saturday school and within that saturday school uh, they taught black history. So I learned wow. everything wow. about Marcus Luke. You know, I learned everything, you know, um, Marcus Garvey. Basically, where what my 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 heritage was, what my culture was, and, and where I fit in that. Um, and, you know, it was important to be a, for me to be able to, to create identity, to create who I am, and for me to realise that I'm not, you know, I'm not just... Uh, what people say I am <laughs> I've actually got some history and 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 I, I can I can do what you know God can enable me to do I'm not, I, I I I can actually run a business like I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur currently I I run my church events which is my own business so you know there's certain things that I was, if I listen to how people think you are, they will put you down and put you to, this is where you need to work and this is what you need to be. But I I don't, I, because of where my history is and what I've been taught and how my parents uh, have invested their time into me, I was able to be able to say, look, you know what, I can be more than what people expected me. And that's why, again, in the police, why I was able to to go for, go forth and, and do what I needed to do within yeah the- uh, that's just so good and so important JR and that's why for me like 
um, and, and you'd be able to speak to this better than I would, and you've been part, part of the journey of it, but this, this is why for me with our events in particular, it's been really important to represent the young people who gather with us. And it's, you know, events like Limitless One, Limitless Festival are really multicultural events. It's been so important for me to be, have real intention about representing those cultures on our platforms, whether that's for our speakers or our worship teams or our hosts or young people sharing testimonies um, and actually the program itself as well. But particularly with the people we platform, because for me, I want young people, yes, of, of all races and ethnicities, but particularly those who are underrepresented, yeah. to be able to look to, just like you said, to be able to look to a platform and have someone and something that they can aspire to. And they can say, wow, look, you know, there's, um, you know, Dan Watson or there's uh, you know, James Aladrin or there's, you know, JR and, um, you know, there's Yanni singing and, and Rebecca um, and whoever it is that we've got, you know, on our various teams and speakers we've had. And they can, and they can just like you said, they can see something in them that, that they can become which they can't see in me as a, as a white bloke, right? And, and so that's just so important, isn't it, that stuff? Yeah. And, and, and for me, I guess, uh, it's, it's trying to, and maybe this is one of the, th that I'm touching on this because this is something as youth leaders we can do. It's about creating those pathways and avenues, isn't it, for young yeah. people and Absolutely. to give them that thing that they can aspire to and those people that they can look up to. Do, do you want to speak to that? Do you think that's yeah. something that's important? I think, I think that's that's really important. And I think, again, that will never really happen unless uh, you have that represented within the main team. So yeah. it, it, it kind of it filters down, essentially, because if you have input at a, at a higher level um, of diversity, then it's, it, it trickles down into everything else that you do. Yeah. So I think that was really important to to be able to say, look, you know what? This is our main team. This is this is what we represent. We represent this, and then not just have fifteen white people there, <laughs> because yeah. essentially you're you're saying, ah, oh, I represent diversity, but I have no diversity in your main team, and that just doesn't really work. So uh -huh. I think yeah. it's important to actually have that um, represented in that, and then it, it it means that you immediately change because yeah. that person or those people who are within that, um, actually bring that change from within and enable it to go out. So yeah. it's inward, outwards, you know, yeah. and I yeah. think that's really important. Um, so it's essentially having, you know, you know, you know, Daniel Schillingford on, on, on stage, it wouldn't be anything different. And, and it's not something that's special because it is just how it should be. So it's not looked at upon as, oh, wow, oh, there's a black guy up there. It's just looked as upon as normal. And I think that's, that's, that's important because... But the point is, JR, that yeah. sadly it's not normal, is it? Unfortunately, no. And it, and it, should, be, and it should be normal. Yeah. But it isn't always normal. No. And, that, and, and that's, it comes to that point of what you're, you're saying. Like it, when, it, when it's not normal in the way that it should be, it reinforces that story that you felt you were told which is that you can only aspire to this, right? Exactly. You, you, the, the thing that you'll be able to achieve is in within, within this sphere at this level. And, um, it, and, and I just totally agree with you. It, it, in order to break some of that, 
we have to normalize it. It, it. it can't be seen that something, oh, you know, round of applause, special, there's diversity and representation in your event. It, it has to be normal. And, you know, I'm not saying we do it perfectly, but we've been on a journey with that, haven't we, JR? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And, and 100%. you know, one of the things that happened for me, I, and I just love what you're saying about teams as well. And um, the, the thing that happened for me where I felt it was like, um, I, I, I've had two conversations in my life that changed my leadership in a moment. And, 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 and this was one of them, JR, around this issue, like you're saying, of, of building you know, diverse teams and having the right voices. And I think this is a way some of our youth leaders can, can respond to this, is about being intentional about building that diversity in their teams. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was an event we used to do called, it was called Infuse. And um, uh, he, he knows the story. I've talked to him about it subsequently. Um, but with a, a youth leader uh, in a church in, in Birmingham, a guy called Jordan, black guy, um, he was at Infuse with his youth group. I bumped into him in the car park. Right. And... Um, uh, and so I, I had a brief chat with, with Jordan. I said, yeah, it was towards the end of the week. So I said, you know, have your young people been enjoying it, Jordan? And, and he, you know, he said, yeah, they've been really enjoying it. You know, they've had a real fun time. They've, they've met, met with God. And then he said this, uh, and it was, this is exact quote. I'll never forget it. And he goes, just, he goes, <laughs> he goes, just one thing. Black kids don't eat lasagna. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, and obviously, he then extrapolated. But the point <laughs> he was making was that, yeah. um, you know, lots of his kids uh, from African and Caribbean backgrounds. Yeah. And they're eating jillaf rice and they're eating jerk yeah. chicken. And we were <laughs> on our patron menu having lasagna and cottage pie and chili. There's no problem, you know, not flavouring it for them. But the, the thing I took away from that, JR, yeah. wasn't, well, it was about the catering menu and we did change yeah. it for the following day. But the thing I really took away from that is that I didn't have the voices in my team who could have told me that before yeah. we got to the event. Yeah. I realized for that reason, you know, it, it was, it was deficient. And then, so, you know, I'm, and I'm again, I'm so far from perfect. I've got, I've, I know I've got so much to learn. Even this conversation is helping me again. Um, but I've made it my intention um, to, to do better in that yeah. way. And I think that's one way youth leaders can respond, isn't it? To, with intention, you know, build teams where the right voices are there to help us be aware of things that, from our, from no fault of any anyone, anyone's own, but by, yeah. by way of their cultural background or upbringing, they wouldn't Absolutely. be aware of unless that voice is on their team. That's it. And each team is different. So, you know, it's about knowing the individual. Like, for instance, I, I, I have to know the individual uh to be able to to help that individual and i think that that's really important like for instance you talk about jello fries i know uh i'm actually a, a proper fan of lasagna that's one of my favorite <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying that. i have had jer- <laughs> that is actually one of my favorite foods i've i've had i love jerk chicken and i love jello fries but i do love <laughs> lasagna as well <laughs> but like um you know, I, I've got a number of uh, youth in my youth group and I have to, to know what they like and know, you know, know a bit about their history, uh, but actually spend time getting to know them. And when you do that, you're, you, you can actually build a relationship great and be able to, to deal with whatever they're, they're facing, 
in 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 later on. So I think it's so important that, like, for instance, he he, you know, in your in your uh, story just now, yeah, he you because you built relationship with him, he was able to tell you that, yeah, and and because of that, that changed your life, yeah. So th- that's what's really important. It's re- through relationship enables uh, life changing transformation to take place, and that and that is that's Jesus' story. He he loved relationship. He loved speaking to the people who weren't sp- weren't spoken to. He he loves he loved going to places where people didn't go and having those conversations. Yeah. Because of that, he enabled uh, life and world changing things. And for me, this. This whole thing that is happening right now and, and will be happening through the months and the years to, to, to happen, and that happened previously in the months, years as past, is about people getting an opportunity to speak and trying to say, look, this is my story. This is what goes on for me. This is what's happening to me. This is what I want you to know about me personally. And they're being oppressed. They don't. No one wants to hear their story. No one wants to to hear that. And because they're not hearing that, you know, they're having to do uh, massive things to get their story out. You know. So I love uh, jerk chicken. The only way I'm gonna get you to know I love jerk chickens by actually saying to you, look, look, look man, I like jerk chicken. Yeah, <laughs> when I go to when I go to to Malvern next, when we eventually finish this whole social distancing thing, I want. The canteen to do some jerk chicken. Mate, Please, I don't have that chicken. kind of power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you but, underestimate my authority. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, if I don't say it, you will never know. Exactly. And like, if I if I rock up at your house, I know that you 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 may want to try and say, look, you know what? I looked at uh, a recipe for to to make jerk chicken, and I would be like, wow, you've actually done this for me. And that's the thing, because you're willing to change. But there are so many people who are not willing to change, not willing to change who they are because they feel that what they are is, is not an issue. It's not a problem. They're, they're, they're just matching what everybody else is doing. So it's for, it's for us to actually try to educate them, to try and say to them, you know what? You have to be different because what you're doing is not, it's not what it should be done. You have to educate it. I think what I'm really hearing, uh, you know, consistently you're saying, JR, and I guess another way that youth leaders can respond is we've really got to hear people and we've got to create space to hear people's stories, particularly people who have a a, a different experience to us or are from a different cultural background. Absolutely. Because if we don't, like you said, if, if we don't make space to hear that, then we'll never know. We'll never have that experience unless we listen and create an opportunity for that before we go on jr to how young people can respond and how we as leaders can help our young people respond Mm -hmm. have you got any other thoughts about how youth leaders specifically can respond um again it's it's just really reiterating what you're saying it's just it literally is just uh actually spending time with them i mean i know a lot of my youth um in this current climate, you know, they're, they're seeking answers. And mm-hmm. I, to be honest, there's, there's, I'm not about to say, I know I'm, I'm not Yoda. <laughs> I don't, you know, I can't wave my hand and things happen. You know, it's, you know, it, I, I can learn, I can, I can try and spend time, you know, so, 
it's not saying that you have all the answers because you won't. I can't say that I know all yeah, black yeah. history. I don't. I'm not even going to say I, I want to know all of black history because, you know, I want to know what God wants to, t- to tell me to know. That's fine. But yeah. it's always good to, to, to be knowledgeable, but it's also really good to just actually sit down with somebody and learn. So what you said about creating a space. So why not create a space of, you know, you know, this is a week where we're just going to learn about this, learn about that. And then, and then take that, you know, you share this and I will share this and then we bring it together. Cause I mean, um, culturally that's what we do a lot. Um, and I speak for many, many black families. I will definitely say, right. You have, you know, a sweet corn, and you have um, uh, rice and peas, and you have chicken, and we all put it together, and then we have you have dinner, you know? So, you know, we all have something that we're really good at, and we all have different abilities. If we put it all together and pull it all together, then we actually have dinner to eat, which is gonna be, which is gonna be really great. Mm-hmm. But if we're all keeping our single things um, to, you know, to ourselves, we are never going to, we're only going to be eating those single things. So I think what's really important is for us to be able to, to, to come together and to share each other's um, experiences, each other's stories, each other's knowledge. Um, there are some really good people on in our region, really good people out there who know a lot of information and, and we're, we're just leaving them where they are. We could actually call them and say, look, educate me. Educate me on why, you know, um, you know, the history of uh, colonialism or uh, introduce, you know, introduce me to why, uh, you know, Britain took over, you know, countries in Europe and and how that affects, you know, what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about why the Queen is, you know, the way the Queen is and, you know, that kind of stuff. Just actually bring bring knowledge and because of that knowledge you know will enable us to to move forward because we will have that knowledge and and be able to to build upon it and, and move forward with it so i think knowledge is key yeah, yeah. Is key. Uh, and Jan, let me ask you about about this um there will be people youth leaders listening right now who, who feel really angry and justifiably so about what's been happening recently and they they want to add their voice uh, into the mix they want to stand for for justice um what's the right way to do that because we we know that social media it, it's, a, it's a minefield isn't it it doesn't doesn't necessarily lend itself to healthy discourse always yeah yeah um and and yet, you know, so many of us will be feeling like this is just not right. We need to we need to see change. We need to make a difference. What's the the best way, in your opinion, Jr., for those leaders right now who are feeling that kind of anger or just that desire to add their voice to to make a difference? What's the best way to do that in a in a in a godly way? Yeah. Do you think? So for me, very, very first, when, when this all happened, my first thing is actually to pray. I, 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 that is what we are called to do. Seek God's face in it all because he, he has the answers. He has, he, he has the ability to be able to give you the answers through, you know, his awesome Holy Spirit. The the, the Holy Spirit is amazing 
in terms of giving us ways of of being able to to deal with things. So um, first for me is really to pray, you know, for peace and pray, pray for understanding. Um, I will say secondly, um, don't be so quick to um, post anything through emotion because uh, I think speaking through emotion um it's not all. It, it's not always the, the best answer mm-hmm. um, because people will feed feed that um, straight away, and then it just it blows up into something that you didn't even mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the the best thing, and even the most smartest person, makes will look dumb sometimes in in sometimes a social media post. <laughs> so I, I would really say it, just be very careful in terms of what what is what content is put on social media. Um, but I think really in this time, it's about communication. It's about actually speaking to someone. I mean, if I if I wasn't able to speak to uh, a number of people in my in my past um, about how I was feeling and what I was going through, and um, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be the person who I am now. There are key people along my journey that I've been able to speak about racism. I mean, if I d- wasn't able to speak to them, I know right now I will probably be uh, burning next or burning Harrods or something like that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, speaking once you get it out, once you identify really good people who you can speak to, who can relate to, and who can listen to you. Then it, it, it enables you to 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 vent and to then to get what you need um, out, but also um, give you um, good advice. So really, for me, it's about seeking um, the right people to speak to, and your voice being heard is is great. But there are different ways of your voice being heard. So for me, action is is always a good thing. So it doesn't mean that I I'm I'm going to be going out and marching. But it may mean that I'm doing this um, a, a podcast, or it may mean that. And I, to be honest, I've never done this before, so this is a first for me. <laughs> so it's not something that I ever Im- imagined that I would ever be doing because I don't see myself as a as a person who uh, who's eloquent in speaking. But it doesn't matter. The fact is, um, I've gone all the way through my life being able to speak to people i've gone all the way through my life being able to to um you know run a business where i'm speaking to you know a number of clients who i i imagine you know i'd be like wow i can't even imagine me ever speaking to this kind of person but you know what god is enables you to do um enables you to do so i think really to to the youth leaders just know your group speak to your group have that conversation with them um if you're feeling hurt then speak to somebody about it. If you're feeling um, frustrated, then speak to to somebody about it. But speak to God first, because yeah. he, he will really help you through through the process. You, you know what, Jay? There's so much wisdom there because you know, whilst there's definite value in social media for solidarity and for advocacy. Yeah. I think what I've taken from what you've said there, JR, is that we make a mistake when we speak through our social media before we speak to God and others. Absolutely. So it's not, you know, never say anything on your socials, never stand up, you know, publicly for justice. But there's a, 
there's a wise order of things, right? Yeah, speak absolutely. To pray first. Speak to wise counsellors and confidence first. Absolutely. Don't, you know, that's what I'm hearing you say, don't just vent and spill first onto your social media. Use it for advocacy, use it for solidarity, but use it wisely in that, in that way, I think. That's really and great. use it for building up because the thing is, encouragement is su- is such a, an amazing thing. You know, we could, there's so much negative uh, energy out there already. So why are we adding to that negative energy? Yeah. And you know, um, I will say a, a lot of a lot of oppression is it. People people say, look, you it's negative, it's negative. You're this is you, you know you're being negative. I can understand why some people are negative, but in this, in the negativity, you still can be positive. You still can bring change for it. I mean, we can go back to, you know, you, you, you know, back in the, you're not allowed to go in the, in the, in the front of the bus, you know, you, you have to be at the back of the bus or you know, there, there can be a number of things. And it's just like, well, you make a stand for it. That's great. You're making a stand. I think it's so important that the stand that you make is the best stand that you make. So, and at the, and the, at that right time. So it takes through prayer for that to happen because through emotion and through flesh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come into anything. So making that stand by saying, look, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy with what I had to do that in, in, in when I was in a place, I had to literally make a stand and say, look, I don't like the way you're treating me. And because of that, I'm not, I'm no longer going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to your supervisor and I'll go from there and we'll take it from there. That making that stand made me feel hot inside. <laughs> I was sweating. I was like, Oh my gosh, I might lose my job. I'm, I might, you know, all of this, but at that time was the right time for me to do it because I had enough evidence. I had enough stuff that was there to help me make that, that, that decision you know I had prayed about it I said God look why are you calling me into this when I'm all I'm doing is getting drama you know why why am I facing all of this and you know God God saying it's a, it's a lesson they need to learn certain things and because of that that's why you're there wow. but wow. I didn't straight give heat straight away mm. <laughs> you know I wasn't heated because that's that that is feeding what they were saying because oh because you're black you're always aggressive you know, that's just a statement. I'm like, nah. So I don't have to be. So it made me change the way I deal with things. I had to be very diplomatic in the way I spoke, in the way I I, I dealt with things. And that enabled change to happen. So I think it's really important to just, um, yeah, put God first in all yeah. things. And let uh, that from is that how you're advising young people right now? You were telling me, uh, we've been we've been meeting today as a uh, limitless directional team, haven't we, Joe? You, yeah. you were telling me earlier about how, you know, in our lunch break, you were on the phone to some of your young people yeah. who are feeling some anger in response to this. Absolutely. Uh, how are you encouraging them to respond or not respond? Yeah, so for me, um, one of the, the main things is that I, I have no i have no qualms about it i i i think what they what they're feeling is 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 real feelings and yeah. that's fine um but there are ways of of dealing with that so for instance for me going to march um in central london um i don't see any point at this time for me uh, for my youth to do that 
and I, I, I personally don't feel that. And the reason why is because they're putting one into they have to catch the tube. Um, we're talking about coronavirus, all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm looking at their safety before anything. So fine, you have a message, and there there may be ways of delivering that message, but it doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in harm to to deliver that message. There's different ways of doing that. Um, so for me, it's it's really saying that you know what? Why don't you use different avenues to get your message across? You know, so why don't you use your Snapchat or your Instagram um, to get that message across? And it will probably have more impact than you um, standing with a thousand people, um, not socially distancing, getting coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, so f- that that's the way I would, uh, and I have spoken to them about. But there are times and places for for that. There are times and places where, for instance, I did um, a march before where um, it was for police pay. I wasn't getting paid enough. I thought. Great, let's go march. And uh, I was joining. I was joining. Uh, you know, thousands of us. There was no. There was no coronavirus. No. You know, issue there. And essentially, it was solidarity. We were all there together for one cause. It was great. Really great. You know. Um, but also, I didn't just do that. I also put stuff on my social media to say, look, you know what, Theresa May at the time, who's Home Secretary, um, sort it out. You know. Um, so there's there's different ways of of doing things, but you know, the best way is is actually just spending time in a quiet place first, seeking God's face, and then hearing what God has to say about it, and then moving upon that. And sometimes that very still, quiet voice, because you know, there's there's only very few times in the in the Bible, and I I only can remember about one where Jesus threw the tables over. You know, in the in the temple, I only could think about those again. I don't see him as that kind of character who's who's loud and boisterous, and 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 I see if we're reflecting the the you know the who Christ is, we also have to take on his mannerisms and so forth, and so there are podcasts there are different ways of of reaching people um yeah. rather than um you know sometimes doing other other things yeah uh, and jonathan you know what a great note to finish on because this is a huge topic not one that we are trying to or attempting to or could ever solve in one podcast but i think say if we're trying to say anything with this podcast it's it's that um this kind of dialogue is so important right now isn't it it's having those conversations it's building those relationships and it's keeping it on the agenda and you know as we've been talking i've just been thinking about how you know as i've been speaking to youth leaders about coronavirus it's something that we would never choose to happen we would never have wanted it to happen but it has created some opportunities for us in youth ministry to think a little bit well you know the stuff we're going through right now um the 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 tragic horrible awful death of George Floyd and all of that stuff we never would have wanted it to happen we we don't ever want to see it happen again but what can come out of that is that it's bringing this onto the agenda in a fresh way and it's causing us to enter into dialogue about it again in a yeah. fresh way again with each other again with our young people and that's a good thing yeah, we've got to keep that, haven't we? We've got to keep fighting for this stuff. We've got to keep fighting against racial injustice. We've got to keep fighting for unity. The picture of heaven, Jr., isn't it, is one of 
people from every tribe Absolutely. and every tongue together yeah. in unity, worshipping Jesus. And yeah. that is what we should be modelling right now as the church. And, and, and Joe, what, what I've always appreciated about you is, as my friend and somebody on my team, is that you've been able to speak to me about this stuff to help educate me in a way that's truthful, but also so measured and you've demonstrated that you know people will have got that from this podcast as well and that's the kind of conversation we want to have isn't it it's a, yeah. it's a truthful conversation but but like you were saying it's, it's a loving conversation that, that we're going to engage with um as and you said one thing like i think you've put a post out today and which was really good you know um and, and and it literally is, you know, from Galatians three, uh, where it speaks us being about one in Christ, and that yeah. is who we are. There's, you know, there's there's neither Jew or Greek, there's neither slave nor free. Um, you know, there's like no neither male or female, but yeah. we are all one in Christ, and and that is so uh, important for us as we as we journey through through this uh, current times. Is that we are one in Christ, and if we yeah. if we say that we love god we have to love others yeah. and and that is that is it we have to love others and and through loving others sometimes that may be a painful journey um but we have to be able to identify who we are feel 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 know who christ is in us and 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 show that love out to all and that's really important and that's regardless who you are um, love is 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 God's love is is the key to all things. We, it, it, you know, that's the reason why He died. He died for us. He died because of it. He loved us so much. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm holding on to God's love right now because I know that that's that's going to bring real change in in this world, um, regardless of, of of the issues that are happening. God's love will will really bring change. That's it. God's love will really bring change yeah. what a great sentence to finish with <laughs> um, and let us be the advocates of that love thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today JR thank you very much for having me uh, and to everybody listening uh, thank you for tuning in thank you for everything that you're doing continually uh, to invest in the lives of young people it's so important keep going don't give up and if this uh, conversation is one that you found helpful and, and, and you think there are youth leaders in, in your network who w- would really benefit from listening to a conversation on this topic, then please do share it via uh, your socials and, and, and help other people to engage with it as well. This is a really, really important topic and it's important that we're having the conversation. So let's get it out there and let's share it. And together as a youth ministry community, let's do what we can to help our young people be different to generations that have preceded them, to see real change in this area of racial injustice. Uh, I believe that, that together we can find a way. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.